Last Monday, we talked about football being back. This weekend, I don't think we wanted football to be back. Alex Houston, Noah Phillips, Griggs Blankenberg, all here in the Bradley Baysden WEGL studio in the Harold Melton Student Center for yet another episode of Compact Discourse 2.0, 2 Compact 2 Discourse, whatever title we're giving it this year. We haven't figured one out yet. It was a tough one, guys. Which one? All of it. <laughs> all of it was bad. I... As I'm sure anybody listening already knows, Auburn did not exactly perform up to par over the weekend. That's at least one way to describe it. I'm not sure how any of you guys would describe it. We'll talk about that first. We'll get to general college football and the NFL at some point, I'm sure. But (sighs) I don't even know what to say right now. Auburn lost 41-12 to Penn State. The worst home loss since the 2012 season, which... I don't know if either of you were around for the 2012 season, but I was, and it was a dark time. I've been I've been reading up on it and trying to understand what that was, and I didn't like what I was reading. I'm just gonna say that. Noah, how about you? How young do we do you think we are? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I was born before 2012. Well, yeah, but Good like, Lord. but like 2012 was like my third year of Auburn football. So by like the transitive property of being three years older than all of you, it makes sense. I'm just saying. I mean, yeah, when I was mean, your first year of Auburn football, Noah? Probably like 2014. To- but, okay. but my point still stands. I mean, I'm 20 years old, Alex. The point the point stood about being a fan of Auburn I, football. I get where he's coming from. My first year was 2021. So Exactly. Exactly. And it was awful. I was I was there for one of those games. It was might have been the worst team I've ever seen. Speaking of terrible, that um that offensive line is We'll get to most of this, but the, people were saying that we had an improved offensive line slightly, maybe from last year, but people were, it's probably the same as last year, or if not worse. I'm not going to lie. This whole thing just makes me angry because I sat on the dang Auburn memes, Auburn After Dark Twitter spaces all summer having to hear people talk about how the floor for this team is 8 and 4, but they could go 10 and 2. And I got absolutely thrashed for saying that this team was not very good at any position because they aren't. Like, when you talk about this team compared to last year's team, I went down the list and I said, okay, at quarterback, they're about the same. At running back, they're better, right, because they, mm-hmm. they've got a year of experience. Wide receiver, they're about the same, which they may not be, but we haven't seen enough to tell if they are. They don't have drop problems, but they still the offense is not as explosive. It's, it's about as explosive as it was last year. Offensive line is, again, about the same because for the last five years or so, Excuse me, the narrative has always been, well, it's another experienced offensive line. They've got another year of experience. I hate to say it, but you can't really teach an old dog new tricks. And if an offensive line is bad two years ago and it's just the same guys, if they haven't gotten better yet, they're not going to get better now. And then on defense, I mean, that's my biggest thing is the offensive line, we knew they were bad, but I thought the defense was terrible on Saturday, and that surprised me. This was a team coming in that what was ta- in the little that was touted highly about Auburn football in the national media. It was the defensive line and Derek Hall and Owen Papo and, and all those guys there. And they got categorically annihilated. Uh, Yeah, just to say that, Penn State goes for 39 carries for 245 yards with five touchdowns on the ground. Sean Clifford, who me and you talked about, would have been the problem on last week's compact discourse, only threw the ball 19 times, didn't throw a touchdown, and – 
Penn State rushes for five touchdowns. This is the exact opposite problem we were talking about on the Eagles nest the other day. We all thought it was going to be Sean Clifford. Auburn did a good job stopping the run against San Jose State. Terrible against the pass. Throw that all out the window now because that line couldn't do anything. We were I was sitting I was sitting in the end zone. I know y'all were in the box. I watched them that last rushing touchdown. I saw an opening right in the middle of the egg. I'm like, Sean Clifford's going to run this one in because there's yep. no one in the middle of that, and he just walks right in about five yards. It was it was really surprising to see that the defensive line just got crushed. And again, the offense didn't exactly do them any favors with four turnovers, but it wasn't like time of possession was so uneven that the defense was on the field for 40 minutes. It was about a 30-30 minute split. Auburn actually had an advantage in time of possession going into halftime even, and I think even in the third quarter they did. The problem was that the defense just couldn't stop anybody. I don't know if it's scheme. I don't know what it is, but it's clear as day to me that Jeff Smetting is not the guy that coached the Iron Bowl, as all the rumors indicated. They just came to play that day for whatever reason compared to every other game since then. But, you know, now I I thought going in this was kind of the game to decide where Auburn was going to be in the Harson era. And now, as Justin Hokinson said last night, he's basically, he's he's a lame duck. Like, it's not a matter of if, but almost when at this point. He didn't say that exactly, but the indication is, like, he's on borrowed, Harson's on borrowed time right now. They don't want to fire the guy midseason because that's not what Auburn has done in the past. They've let Chiswick and Tuberville both coach through blowout losses in the Iron Bowl before sending him home. That happened twice. They've traditionally, the, the only midseason Firing for Auburn was t- a Terry Bowden who resigned in the middle of the season because how bad Auburn was that year in 1998, I believe. What did they do with Gus? I, I was they wait. They waited until after the Mississippi State game, but I mean, he was he was he was a he was done once he lost to South Carolina. You kind of knew it was a wrap at that point because you can't lose. South Carolina was terrible that year, mind you. They were awful, and Will Muschamp got fired because of that. So Auburn doesn't really fire guys midseason, but that's the new thing now. Because I mean, look at last year. USC fires midseason at the beginning of the season and ends up getting Lincoln Riley. Or even even looking at Nebraska, Arizona State, everybody that fires somebody fires in the and then LSU handled it strangely last year because LSU they didn't and, fire Ogeron. They're just like, well, I no, don't they fi- see they this fired. Going. Well, they they, they, they worded fired. it not as firing in the beginning. Well, yeah, at the beginning they're like, well, he's not going to make it th- past this season. And again. Do I think Brian Harson should be fired? I honestly have no idea, to be honest. I really don't. La- but the problem is – go ahead, Noah. Uh, I was about to say, I don't think we're going to fire him like midway through the season because usually that's uh, for a coach that's been there for three or four years and Harson's only been here for two. So I think at the end of the day they're going to have to wait until the season gets out just so he can say he had more time uh, on the sideline, so to speak. That's that. That's an interesting point. I think I think that's part of the reason. Though there are, Hokinson says he thinks the bye week is is a likely cause, or even after the Georgia game. That's probably. Look, here's the thing. The problem with everything that happened on Saturday is you know everyone's so used to the Auburn has a really bad early season loss. They've had a bad early season loss every single year since 2013. 2013 they had a bad loss to LSU. A bad bad loss to LSU. 2014. It really was the bad loss Mississippi State, but then the whole season fell apart at that point, right? 2016, they had a really bad start against A&M and Clemson and then bounced back down the way, to, and then they fell apart again at the end, but they had those bad losses there. Then obviously 2017, bad loss against Clemson, right? 2019, 
really just a tough road with LSU and Florida. But the point is, with all those, none of them were blowouts. It was almost Gus getting in his own way, a Gusism here or there, you know, being up by 20 at halftime and then losing to LSU, or, you know, just losing to LSU at home, or, the, again, the 2017 Clemson game, where even though Clemson were national title contenders both years, Auburn held tight and lost by single digits. What happened on Saturday was a complete beatdown at home, which has not happened again since 2012, It was what it's worth. It wasn't close in, after halftime at all. We thought, okay, coming out of halftime, Auburn's getting the ball first. They got to do something immediate three and out, and then they score immediately. Just and, the, then, and then a fumble immediately on the very next drive. That's exactly right. For, for a team that right now is minus eight in their turnover margin, we've not forced a turnover all year. That's including against our non – all three non-cons, Penn State, San Jose State, and Mercer. Granted, not all three are like the same, but the fact that our defense can't come up with a way to make plays, the side of the ball that we were not super concerned about going into the year, we were more focused on the offense. Now everything, everything's just kind of imploding on itself. And if you listen to me and Daniel's show, I've always been more of a Harson believer, or I'll say Harson optimist, but now it's like kind of what you were saying earlier, just – He's really on, like, is he on borrowed time or not? But the fact is, do you want to start that, rip the Band-Aid off early is what I heard. Well, this is, oh, that was a Matt Rule crow I was talking about. I'm saying everything is coming together for me in the world of football. Absolutely. If you you rip the Band-Aid off early, it's going to be able to enable you to go out and start this early. I mean, you've seen, you already mentioned all the teams. You've had USC last year firing Clay Hilton. Now they got Lincoln Riley. Um, LSU last year as well. Now you have Arizona State and Nebraska. What's going to happen with those two? I mean, someone, I, mean, I think it was Pete Thamel already said that Brian Harson's up there for Arizona State. And Pete Thamel is the guy that broke the news of Harson's firing, was also the guy that gave the interview with Harson during whatever the February debacle was. I just think it was a wholesale mess on Saturday because, you know, you're always hyping up, hey guys, fans, please show up. And they did. And the environment was hyped for a quarter. That was a very and fun then, quarter. And then it fell apart down the stretch. And I think then, you know, in the postgame presser, when your offense scores 12 points, it just it was a complete collapse of any semblance of a plan because you have all those recruits there and you get absolutely blown out of the water, right? That's number one. Number two, throughout the last two games in this offseason, it's been confidence in talking about a quarterback battle, right? And, oh, well, I've used a two-quarterback system before, as planned, which is what he did at Boise State. I'll admit it, Boise State, they were able to use it like like clockwork, and it worked very well. And on Saturday, the indication didn't seem to be that there was a plan in place. It just seems like they have no idea who the quarterback is. Like, they have no idea who the best guy is to run the offense. Because, in my opinion, I think Saturday shows you that maybe we couldn't tell you who was good in camp because they were playing a defense that is not very good, which nobody could fathom, but... Who's to say you can believe your offensive line is bad if your defensive line cannot generate a pass rush? Because Penn State's offensive line is not good this year, by the way. They got clapped by Purdue. Purdue had Sean Clifford running for his life and had to throw the ball so much because the running backs couldn't get anything going. Penn State fans even said this in the space yesterday. No disrespect to Purdue since my cousin goes there, but the fact that Penn State almost loses. They win in West Lafayette by, like, four, and they come in at Jordan-Hare. We all touted this up. As, like, they played the Joe Burrow thing. This is better than Penn State, this atmosphere, all that. To just get – you lose by 29 points to a Big Ten opponent who 
Here, the two games on the year were the Ohio Bobcats and the Purdue Boilermakers, and we almost we almost got beat worse than Ohio, and they were playing at Penn State. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. It's just, I think it's just also a little bit of stubbornness to just be good with change a little bit. I think that's why kind of they didn't want to put Zach in near the end. He didn't want to admit that maybe they were wrong a little bit in that regard. I mean, he, he, I, th- I forgot who asked about it in the post game press conference. I was looking at Twitter and that stuff afterwards, but. I thought I think it was Nathan King. I think I'm you're right, mistaken. yeah. And he's like, we were thinking about it, just nothing ever happened. I'm like, you got to try something else. These two quarterbacks have turned the team stats for this year. They've turned the ball over uh, six times. They've had six interceptions. And I know, I think Robbie has had a fumble. And I think they both have had a fumble. Yes, to get to eight turnovers. Because the only people who've No, Robbie ball, hasn't fumbled the ball. That was Shedrick Jackson who fumbled it. Oh, wait, so TJ eight. fumbled it. Yes. TJ and Shedrick. So our quarterbacks have accounted for seven of our eight turnovers this year. I mean, if he's coaching for his job, Holden might not be ready, but or Zach, but you have to take some chances here or there to do anything. I don't agree with that only because I think, again, the problem is maybe the fact that they were working against a, a, a team that's just not – they're not talented enough at any, at any particular position. They don't have enough cornerbacks that are any good. They don't have a defensive line clearly. that Because, again, mind you, Penn State against Purdue got 98 yards on the ground for 3.1 yards a carry. They had to throw the ball the whole game in order to make anything happen. Sean Clifford had four touchdowns and 37 passing attempts. Against Auburn, he had 19. And I don't think Calzada's the answer because the reason Robbie plays and TJ doesn't is because you need a guy who can scramble behind this offensive line, and Zach Calzada cannot do that. Not to mention, I'm still in the belief that Zach Calzada has an issue with his shoulder that has not properly addressed itself. I don't know, but... I don't think he's going to be much better than TJ. If everybody points to that one great game against Alabama, you know who beat Alabama? Steven Garcia, Bo Wallace, and Chad Kelly. Steven Garcia is one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever watched, honestly. That man made so many horrendous mistakes over and over again. The point is, oh, Trevor Knight. Can't forget about Trevor Knight. Can't forget about that. Like, beating Alabama is not a prerequisite for being a great quarterback, especially because... Look at last year. AM had a bad offensive line and a bad receiving core, and it showed when Calzada struggled. What is different about Auburn that's going to make him not struggle? Now, that's not saying Calzada won't be better a year from now. I don't know how things are going to go, but I really don't think he offers anything that TJ Finley does not provide or that Robbie Ashford does not provide together. I just, last thing before we go to break, I just got to say they got to, well, if they're not the answer, if Robbie, he doesn't provide anything, then they got to find out something because. We might not have another year, as you said, Zach Calzada. Parsons might not have another year, so he's got to try something. The question is where Zach Calzada goes, Mm. honestly, or where any of this goes. I don't really know. We'll keep talking about whatever's happening in Auburn and possibly how this season plays out right after this. You're listening to Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Alex Houston alongside Noah Phillips and Griggs Blankenberg. And once again, we'll be right back after this. We are back here at the WGL 91.1 FM studio. Alex Houston, Noah Phillips, Griggs Blankenberg, discussing Auburn sadness, Auburn pain, whatever you want to describe it. 
It's a new day, Alex. Come on. I, I don't know if it's a new day necessarily. Again, I just really – I mean, are they going to win more than five games? Actually. That's a genuine question to anybody in the room that has an answer because I don't think they win more than four. But um, you got to pray at oh this Lord. point. I'm, I'm not doing that nonsense. Um, I just don't think the team is talented enough to win more than four. I think the schedule's harder, and I think the fact is, again, this offense just didn't have a plan. Tank Bigsby, by the way, received the ball – 11 times on Saturday. When asked about it, Brian Harson said, well, they got behind and they had to throw the ball, despite the fact yep. that he had one touch in the second quarter when they were trailing by not double I, digits. I remember someone asking that on Twitter. That was definitely something to say, like, we got behind, and someone was like, well, what happened in the second quarter? The, the reporter quite literally interrupted Harson during the question, during his answer and said, well, in the second quarter, and then Harson just kept on talking. I mean, that that right there, and Stoltz wrote a great column about it. Brian Stoltz had a... Uh, I think Auburn rivals, right? Uh, wrote, yeah, rivals. Wrote wrote a great column about that. The fact is that just shows that he didn't have a plan in place because Tank Bigsby's your best offensive player, regardless of issues behind the line of scrimmage. Let's talk about at the end of the half. He had that great run that put Auburn in a decent position to get some points at the end. It obviously didn't work out because TJ fumbled it again because of bad pass protection by Austin Troxel. But Tank's your best player. You got to get him the ball in space, and they just could not do that. For whatever reason. Even in that sense, you can still run the ball with him. Yep. He only had 39 rushing yards. You know, and at halftime, T.J. Finley was your leading rusher with like 20-something, I think, at some point. It, it baffles me that even when you're down, you can still sort of run the ball if you run it smartly. And especially in the second quarter and start a third quarter when you're only down by one possession – you got to give the ball to your best player. Exactly. And that's Tank Bigsby. That's why he didn't transfer this offseason. I, I agree. I agree. That's why. And, again, he, he had nine carries, 39 yards, for 4.3 yards a carry. It wasn't like he was getting totally whacked behind the line of scrimmage. 4.3 is a solid amount. But, again, get him the ball in some way. And the, one of the ways they tried was lining him up out wide as a wide receiver. That's not what I mean, first of all. Like, just it's, he's the best player on the offense by far. And, again, there are issues because as – I think Ferg, Justin Ferguson tweeted during the game, you could just see that Auburn could not run the ball in the red zone, and Penn State knew they could. And that's true. That's where the red zone struggles came from, is the fact that Auburn knew they could not run the ball and reliably get in the end zone. It's also the thing where everyone in America knows we're going to be running the ball after these, after our passing woes. So in the red zone, when we're or red zone or first and goal, whatever, they're sending seven because they know we're going to run the ball. They see Robbie Asher come in. That tells me or when I saw Robbie Asher come in before like the third quarter and that stuff, that's I'm thinking okay, everyone knows he's going to be running it. Granted, he did throw the ball a lot more the most he has in all season in the two game before the first two games, but I mean everyone knows we're we're running first team except when we have Tank Bigsby running nine times when Robbie Ashford's running more than Tank Bigsby. That's not really the greatest sign. I think the truth of it is that the offense needs to commit to a read option style offense and go from there because the offensive line is not good enough. Look, I know what Keysaw and Harson are wanting to run. It's very clear what they want to run. They want to run a pro-style type of offense, a pro-style spread hybrid essentially. They can't do that with this offensive line. They just can't. Their, their entire game plan relies on a good offensive line, which Boise State always had because they always had the best offensive line in the Mountain West every year. That's what they're relying on, and the fact is they don't have it, so you have to adjust somehow. 
I know it's a mid-season game plan adjustment, but you don't really stand a chance against anybody else on your schedule if you don't. Mm. The offensive line doesn't stand a chance. Mm. Get some creativity of some kind. And at least with a read option, you're not having to block a defensive end. That exactly. Just, that just becomes a numbers game you're for you. You're freezing the defense. And I think both – I know T.J. Finley isn't the fastest, but T.J. and Robbie are smart enough to run that at an SEC level. I agree. They can very easily read that defensive end and know when to hand it off or keep it. I, I agree completely, and I think that's just – that's where it's at right now. But, again, I just think regardless of how this season plays out, I think Harson was on borrowed time anyway. Honestly, I didn't think he was going to survive this year if they went 6-6. Six and six. But after Saturday's performance, I think – his days are numbered just because, like, look, call what you want, the inquiry or whatever. The people with money at Auburn do not want Brian Harson here. That much is clear. Mm-hmm. That much, that like, that just is. That much is very, very clear. And whatever happened, he still is here because, as Philip Marshall's reported it, Justin Hokinson reported it, a lot of people have reported it, Auburn was looking for a way to fire him for cause last year and didn't find one, so they just kept him around. That's how it ended up. His days were numbered. Whether they don't want him for reasons on the football field, off the football field, or some third strange one in between, they don't want him. And his time, his, his, his days are numbered. But the fact of the matter is, this is going to keep happening over and over again until they all unite around somebody. Because Florida State united around Mike Norvell, and they sucked for two years. But now they're 3-0, and winning games they probably shouldn't. Because Louisville's not bad, they're but pre- Malik Cunningham's pretty good. They're Louisville's not great. Louisville's not Louisville's not great. I mean, but again, this is a, this is a Florida State team that could not win. That started zero and four last year for the first time ever. Should we go through the top twenty-five board now? I think we will actually. Why don't we? As as we talk about as we talk about everything that's going on, here is your top twenty-five college football scoreboard presented by WEGL. And we don't really have anybody for that. So going ahead and looking at it right now. Give me one second. Talking up the top. Kentucky beats Youngstown State 31 to nothing. Not a really explosive game for Kentucky. The offense just has not been there so far for Mark Stoops and the team. Michigan, again, has seven players throw a pass and defeats UConn 59 to nothing. Number one, Georgia runs South Carolina out of Williams Bryce Stadium 48 to 7. Shane Beamer said there was no give up in the team, but it looked like they did in the student section give up as well as Georgia. Once again, looks like they're going to win the national championship with ease this year. Number 17, Baylor, bouncing back from its loss to BYU, defeats Texas State 42-7. The Nebraska-Oklahoma game was fun for about a quarter, much like the Auburn-Penn State game, but then the Sooners dominated the Cornhuskers. Number 6, Oklahoma wins 49-14. Scott Frost or or the interim coach doesn't matter for Nebraska. This program is in shambles right now. Ole Miss handily defeats Georgia Tech. The number 20 Rebels defeated the Hornets, or the Yellow Jackets, 42-0. to uh, Number 22 Penn State comes into Jordan-Hare Stadium and wins, beating Auburn for the second year in a row, 41-12. to BYU versus Oregon, a matchup of two ranked teams out in the West. Oregon wins handily, 41-20. to Bonick shines as Auburn quarterbacks continue to struggle. Number two Alabama handily defeats ULM in a... Revenge game for Nick Saban, mm-hmm. and also a matchup against Terry Bowden. Who would have seen that coming in the year 2022 for Alabama? Number 19, Wake Forest defeats Liberty. 
37 to 36 in a close one. Number 16, NC State, beats Texas Tech in another close one, 27 to 14. Number three, Ohio State puts up 77 on in-state rivals Toledo. Number 15, Tennessee, 63 to 6 over Akron. Ouch. Arkansas needs some fourth quarter magic as the number 10 Razorbacks defeat Missouri State. Is that Missouri State? Yes, it is. And then number eight, Oklahoma, Arkansas Pine Bluff, 63 to 7. Number 18, Florida over UCF, 31 to 28 in a close one. Number 23, Pitt gets a big win over Western Michigan, 34 to 13. Washington with a huge upset over number 11, Michigan State. The Huskies, I believe that is their mascot, mm-hmm. defeated the Spartans 39 to 28. Clemson again handily beats Louisiana Tech uh, 48 to 20. The number five Tigers are 3 and 0. I was really hoping for a UTSA upset, but number 21 Texas bounced back from its loss to Alabama and defeats the Roadrunners. Road Sorry, 41 to 20. And then Al- or Texas A&M and Miami in a slugfest between two teams that look very poorly coached right now. The Aggies bounce back and defeat the Hurricanes 17 to 9. Utah pretty easily beats San Diego State 35-7, to and then USC defeated Fresno State at like midnight, 45-17. to That is your college football scoreboard. Zach Card joining the show here with us. Zach, how you doing today? Good. How are you all doing? Even better. Well, you, you got here just in the nick of time because we already talked about Auburn, so there's no need to get sad and depressed again. Uh, I was all right with talking about it, but... Well, you, share your you thoughts know. then. For the, We have got three minutes to a commercial break. Any uh, additional thoughts on the Auburn... Game on Saturday. It was really bad. I'm sure y'all over y'all already went over that, but it was really bad. Uh, I have no additional thoughts because I don't know what y'all said already. That's fair. Uh, that well, is fair. We were talking about Harson's borrowed time. Where do you, what do you think this season ends for him? Um, I don't. I don't think he'll make it through the season. Yeah. I think we'll fire him before the end of the season, honestly. But I I like him as a coach. I like him as a person. I like how he is in interviews and everything. So I hope we don't fire him, but you know, the writing's on the wall. Yeah. I I think I think that's that's a very good point. I think it just at this point, I think the writing on the wall was even in February. That's what I, that's what we were talking about earlier. But that was your college ball score where we forgot one one important game between unranked opponents, App State with a Hail Mary at the end, the perfect way for college game day to end. I really do like App State. I saw somebody mention App State coach Sean Clark as the potential replacement for Harson, though I highly doubt Auburn goes for another group of five coach. Yeah, I doubt that. I mean, look at I mean, we have another former App State coach coming into Jordan here this weekend who's also on the hot seat. Oh yeah, Eli Drinkowitz, Missouri. You know, I like Eli Drinkowitz, but that forty to twelve loss to Kansas State is not looking very good. I like Kansas State too. I like Chris Kleiman, but. Kansas State just lost to Tulane, so it's not like Kansas State is a world beater out there. No, not at all. Wouldn't say that at all. But, man, any final thoughts on the college football weekend before we move on to the NFL? It might be a tough discussion there as well. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean you're in the same boat on that. But another weekend, interesting. That's crazy as week two, but still some – now we're getting into the heart next week of conference play, so a lot of stuff can happen. Absolutely. SEC play begins next week. Auburn takes on Missouri at 11 a.m. Over under on there being 60,000 people in Jordan-Hare Stadium next week. I got a bad feeling the attendance is not going to look very good. Anybody else? Under. I I take the under on that. Under? Zach? Wow, no faith in the fan base. Uh, 60,000? I mean, it is homecoming. That might be the only thing that saves them. Yeah. 
I'm going to take the over. All right, fair enough. In, weekend. In fairness, Auburn has not sold less than 80,000 tickets since the early 2000s, so you've got that. But Comeback Discourse will be right back after this. We are back inside the WGL 91.1 FM, Bradley based in studio, Alex Houston, Zach Card, Noah Phillips, Griggs Blankenberg, a full studio today for our like third sports show. This, this, this is a new one. Very exciting about this. But we're going to talk about the NFL for a moment, and here becomes the NFL scoreboard. NFL <sighs> is king. I don't know about that one, but we'll see as we go through the scores right now. Give me one second as I pull it up. Play the music a bit a little too early. Oh, Noah, you can take it if you'd you like. Can start it? Oh, I don't even have it pulled I got up it. Go yet. ahead, Griggs. Starting on Thursday night, we had the Chiefs taking down the Chargers in a battle in Kansas City. Chiefs win that one 27-24. Next, up in the Meadowlands yesterday, the Giants defeat the Panthers, who are on their 10th straight loss behind a game-winning field goal from former Panther Graham Gano. Next, we go to Cleveland as the Browns lose in the last possible minute to the New York Jets. Joe Flacco, 307 yards, four touchdowns. Jets win that one, 31-30. Next, we head up to Detroit where Dan Campbell's Lions get their first win of the season over Ron Rivera and the Commanders. Final score from that one, 36-27 Lions. Next, we head to the brawl in the Superdome where the Bucks taking on the Saints. Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore both ejected for a fight later on in that game, but the Bucks come away with that one, 20-10. Next, we go to Pittsburgh, where the Patriots get their first win of the season, bouncing back after that loss to the Dolphins in Miami. Mitch Trubisky, not that great, but the Patriots come out of that one 17-14. Next, we head down to Jacksonville, where the Jaguars apparently seem to have the Colts number last year, keeping them out of the playoffs, and this year, keeping them from their first win. Jaguars win that one in a blowout 24-0. Next, we head to Baltimore, where the Dolphins continue their 2-0 streak there, tied for first. In the AFC North, where the Dolphins win that one 42-38. And a comeback, 28 points in the fourth quarter. Next, we head to Los Angeles, where at one point it was 28-3. Falcons had a big comeback, but yet the Rams were able to stop that in its tracks off of a fourth quarter interception from Jalen Ramsey. 31-27 Rams. Next up, the 49ers taking on the Seahawks. Trey Lance out for the season, but Jimmy G is able to come in and keep it rolling. 49ers win that one, 27-7. Next, we go to Dallas, where the Cowboys, behind Cooper Rush, wins his second game as a starter. He's 2-0 as a starter. Defeat Joe Burr and the Bengals, 20-17. Next, the Broncos, the first win in the Russell Wilson era, defeat the Houston Texans and Mills Mafia. Russell Wilson, 219 yards, one touchdown. Broncos win 16-9. Next, in one of the most exciting games of the day, the Arizona Cardinals and the Raiders go to overtime. It is from a scoop and score from the Cardinals. Cardinals win that one 29-23. And finally, last night on Sunday Night Football, the Packers took on the Bears in the longest rivalry in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers remembered how to throw the ball pretty well, and his receivers caught the ball pretty well as the Packers defeated the Bears. Again, 27-10, and that is is your NFL scoreboard from this Sunday and Thursday night. Superb work, Griggs, truly. Top of the line Thank stuff. you, thank you. Man, there are some bad teams in the NFL this year. <laughs> you're, like, you're telling me. There, there are some really, really, really bad teams. Now, mine is the unfortunate Washington Commies. Uh, Carolina Panthers, Griggs, Noah, your team is? The New England Patriots. So oh, at that's, least we that's got a very, That's a very convenient choice. And then Zach. Bears. Ouch. Chicago Bears. Yeah. That's 
That's we we should have picked better teams. All, like all three, three of, of you have had have won a game. I don't want to hear it yet. Well, that's a fair point. That's that that that's a very fair point. I don't really have anything to say to that. We had to defeat the Steelers, or I would have cried. The I would have st- came in this studio this morning, and I would have just been bawling. That, that you can't be doing that. Then again, it is Mitchell Trubisky, so maybe I do understand that. I can I read this one thing about the Panthers real quick? Sure, why this not? This is a tweet I saw online. This is nine straight losses now for Matt Rule. We are ten and twenty-five in the Matt Rule era. One in twenty-five under Rule when we have allowed seventeen plus points. But here's the fact: we have led in seventeen of our last nineteen games, but our record in that is five and twelve. That's it that's is pretty bad. Yeah, that's pretty. And the guy who beat us, and the guy who beat us yesterday, Graham Gano, was released by you guessed it, Matt Rule. Well, in fairness, he was injured a little bit. The Giant, the Giants. I don't know what's going on with them because they beat the Titans last week, and Brian Dayball's got that team playing well for what for whatever reason I couldn't tell you. But I mean, hey. Look on the bright side. The Panthers gave the ball to Christian McCaffrey more. Yeah, like three more times. Still, when you're at when you're averaging six point eight yards a carry, I figure you give the guy the ball more than fifteen times. But that's why I'm here in the studio and not on the field with Matt Rule. When you when you loot when you fumble on the opening kickoff of the game, that's not a good omen for things to come. And like all my football teams, I said are like merging together. I mean, both my coaches, I don't want to see continue coaching probably after this year. It's just. It's just rough. It's okay, but I'll get over it eventually. Just bury it deep inside and let Siri goes off my watch. But, yeah, just not great football team. And, yeah, offensive line, just like Auburn, is not good at all. Now, mind you, it could be a lot worse. You could be the Colts, who scored zero against a Jacksonville defense that, as a commies fan has seen, is not very good. So, Jaguars just seem to have their number. I, I don't know what's going on in Jacksonville or what's going on anywhere, really. I don't know how the – how did the Jets – I didn't watch this game. Did anybody else see how the Jets won? Because I – They have the GOAT yeah, on Joe their Blacko team. For four Joe Flacco. Uh, you, didn't throw for, you didn't throw almost 60 times either. But I'm Super reading, Bowl MVP Joe Flacco, by the way. Elite. Elite. Elite quarterback oh, Joe Flacco. Oh, jeez. Um, apparently what happened was at the end of the game, they won um, off a uh, two touchdowns around an onside kick recovery. So. Well, that's just magic, and that's just karma for the Browns. But maybe I won't say that. Isn't that like the first onside kick recovery like in a while for the NFL? Yeah, it's been pretty – because, you know, since they moved it up and whatnot and they've kind of started the rules where you can't get a running start, it's gotten a lot worse over the last however many years. You kind of have to rely on a mistake from the kick coverage team in order to then recover one because, again, without the running start, you basically have no chance of getting there. Mm-hmm. It's just the way that, because like I think college still has a running start, but the NFL did away with that completely. Another game I was interested about is the Bucks Saints. Both teams were incredibly injured. I mean, the Bucks were without uh, Godwin, I think one other person, and the Saints were without Alvin Kamara. It's just, and then Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore. That has got to be the most fiercest one-two player rivalry in the league. Well, Mike Evans just gets really sad when he gets locked up, and then he gets very, very emotional about it. Tom Brady also looked like he was going to kill half of his team yesterday. And Jameis threw three interceptions. That was very unfortunate. I was watching that live. It was like 3 nothing bucks. <gasps> Jameis is going to make a comeback, and then he threw three straight interceptions, and it was just vintage Jameis. Vintage Jameis. Even though apparently last year he didn't throw any interceptions, or he threw barely any interceptions. He did what was it? it? In his last 12 games, 
he threw three picks. But then during the game yesterday, over his last 12 throws, he threw three picks. So do with that information what you will. Now, Zach, now that we've got a Bears fan here, I want to pick your brain for a moment. Oh, Lord. Why did Justin Fields throw the ball only 11 times? I don't think our coaches trust him with the ball in his hand. Like, like Auburn doesn't trust Robbie Ashford to throw the ball. I think it's the same situation. Okay, interesting. Because, like, I was looking at the stat sheet, and you'll never in the NFL nowadays see a guy that throws the ball only three, only 11 times. My, my question is why on fourth and goal you're taking it shotgun when you're three inches away from the goal line and you get stuffed. That's the new NFL, isn't it? I mean, I they, can't answer that. I just way, don't know why he just went. Sh- did you watch that game, Alex? No, I did not. He took a shotgun. Was... They were down. It was, um, I think it was ten to twenty-four. They're one like on the inch line yeah. of the goal line. And he's t- uh, they snap it to him. Direct QB snap sh- from the shotgun. So they had time to see it was coming. Just oh wait, it was a it was like a quarterback power up the middle from yes, the shotgun. They took shotgun. Mm-hmm. Oh, and with Justin Fields, Justin Fields is. A little bit more is mobile, but he's not like a Cam Newton type where he can just run it up the middle and just be able to push people. And that Bears offensive line is not going to help him get too many yards. Well, that's not good. But that's not good. Aaron Rodgers again, as he says, he owns Chicago. So, well, I mean, I can't remember the last time the Bears beat the Packers. Uh, you oh wait, four years ago. I think that was not right. under the floor. Yeah, Mike McCarthy's last year because the Packers were really bad. Let me see what year that was. I think it was – I'm going to look it up right now because I'm very curious. Also, the Trey Lance era, off to a rocky start. I thought it was, I thought it was interesting because I'm watching the halftime show and Jimmy Johnson's doing – no, Terry Bradshaw's doing the recap of that game. He's like, Trey Lance goes down, Jimmy Garoppolo coming in, and he's like, boy, you hate to see that. And I'm like, is he talking about Jimmy G or the injury? For a moment, I wasn't very sure. But, hey, the Niners got a win behind Jimmy G, which is – Less than they can say for um, last week. Which, do you think the Bears are going to intentionally flood their field for all eight home games this year to get an advantage? Dude, we might as well. I think it's the only <laughs> the only chance we have at winning those games at this point. That's fair. That's fair. Let's see. It looks like the last loss, yes, it was at Chicago. The Bears beat the Packers 24-7. to Or 17. One. One thing I'll say about Jimmy G, he said, I'm tired of this Jimmy G slander. Yes, he turns the ball over, but this is a quarterback who's been to the Super Bowl and he's been to two NFC championships. And they won the NFC West last year against the team that ended up winning the Super Bowl. So, or, did they win the NFC? I can't remember. I don't no, think they I don't, I don't, think, they, think, they I don't did. think they did, but they, they had to, Oh, year. wait, no, they won to secure the wild card in the – okay, I remember that. The last game of the year they won in the stadium to win the wild card, I think. But – I just football is interesting. NFL is weird this year. That the undefeated teams so far are the Bucks. We expected that. We didn't expect the Giants to be two and zero. I I didn't expect the um the Bengals to be zero and two to start off. I didn't think the Raiders were going to be zero and two to start off. So the only undefeated teams now are the Dolphins, Bucks, Giants. Chiefs, and then depending on how tonight goes, could be the Bills and then either the Vikings or the Eagles. I still can't believe how bad the Bengals are because weren't they in the Super Bowl like last year? Yeah. <laughs> Eight months ago or whatever. I was about to say, weren't they like giving it to the Rams for like a minute? I mean, obviously it didn't work out, but I think how on earth? Well, probably the offensive line has yeah, not improved whatsoever. It is still very bad. Oh, he was sacked six times. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. He is – he, it's what? Not, it's not really on him. It's on that offensive. That is just terrible. That was, I think they allowed. I think it was the record for a quarterback being sacked the most 
in a single season of a team making the playoffs. Well, they've already the, um, Super Bowl. They've already allowed 13 sacks in two games this year, which puts them on pace for over 90. And by for, the way, actually for, over a hundred. And for a quarterback that's still in the past has had an ACL injury, you do not want him taking too many sacks and forcing him to scramble on a not a hundred percent ACL. Then again, you can't let Cooper Rush uh, beat you, but apparently he's beating somebody else. I'm pretty sure that was probably Washington, which makes me a little sad. Yeah, he's but too. I heard he's two zero in a starter. That's all. He probably beat Washington. Many Kellen Moore beat Washington one time, so anything would surprise me. But this is compact discourse on Weagle ninety one point one FM. We're gonna have to go to a brief commercial break. We'll be back to keep talking about the NFL. Maybe do some War Eagle weather. Who even knows where this discussions could go? Again, Alex Houston, Griggs Blankenberg, Noah Phillips, Zach Card on Weagle ninety one point one FM. We'll be right back after this. In, or we're back inside the WGL. Bradley based in studio having important discussions like did Nebraska score over the weekend? We can confirm they did, only barely. I think it was seven to nothing in Nebraska, and then they lost forty nine to fourteen. It was awful. Maybe Scott Frost was the only thing holding that program together. They oh, should have given him a few more 49-14. years. Forty nine fourteen. Forty nine fourteen, what did I say? You said they scored I think you said they scored only seven. Well no, they scored seven and then and then they they were winning at one point they, seven to nothing. They won and then the fourth, Oklahoma blew up. They won the fourth quarter. They outscored Nebraska to Oklahoma seven to nothing. Oh, in good the fourth heavens! Quarter. Good heavens! And Noah, you have something to say about one of the games over the weekend? I do. I would just like to point out my second favorite team, which also probably hates the Patriots the most because of the Tuck rule. But the Las Vegas Raiders <laughs> lost this weekend to the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray when the Call of Duty beta was out. Clearly. How- how do you lose to the guy that had in his contract he had to watch a certain amount of film because he liked video games too much? Maybe here's the reason. They were on the road t- for a while. He had to go. The beta was released, I believe, Friday. What if he like only had like a day and was forced to watch like film on the plane and stuff? Maybe maybe since uh, they lost by 24 or 23 against Kansas City last week, that kind of was a little wake-up call for Kyler because – Cliff Kingsbury, I think his days might be numbered as mm-hmm. well because I'm I'm not sold on this team at all. I wasn't sold on him when he was hired. But Cliff Kingsbury coached Patrick Mahomes. True, true. And he was 7-6 and six with Patrick Mahomes. And, and let's talk about this right now. We're act- this is actually going to lead into our discussion. How on earth did one of the worst college coaches I've ever watched, honestly one of the worst, get promoted to the NFL? I still don't really understand that because – Oh, no. What? Auburn deleted the final score. Oh yeah, they did. They oh, did. No. They did that on Saturday. And I, national media people are now bringing that. Oh no, pretty pretty embarrassing moment for Auburn. Big big cat brought up. He's the one who always gets on people for. Of course he did. Of but, course. Um, oh, and no. and leading into that, talking about the the college to NFL transition, we're going to go a bit backwards on this. Assuming Brian Harson gets fired this year, which again I think we all agree his days are probably numbered at this point. Whether we agree with it or not, we're not in charge of this. Who do we think replaces him? Who do we think Auburn goes to get to replace the guy? Do we think he goes to the NFL? One name I heard floated around was Matt Rule. What do you guys think about that? Griggs is currently crying in the studio. Do you want, do you want to take this, Griggs? If 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 that happens, I, I get he was successful at Baylor. I get that. I he was successful at Temple and Baylor. Like again, one is not like the other, but. 
I just can't deal with it, man. When every single con- his it's now a running joke. Whenever someone asks him a cr- question in the press conference, people made a skit about it on Twitter. I saw they're like, "Well, I got to go back and look at the tape." Whenever he's asked a question on the game, it is at least when Brian Harson's doing a press conference, at least he's good at deflecting the questions. Matt Rule just has the press here to with an answer button. Just in fairness, how many college coaches have been terrible in the pros that were pretty good in college? The only one I can think of is. The one who from who has gone college to pros has been successful. I, I would say is Pete Carroll. That's the only one that can exactly. To my but mind. he was pretty Ooh. terrible first, and then he goes back to USC, and then he goes back, and it works out the second time. But Steve Spurrier was pretty bad in in the NFL, and then goes back to college. I'm trying to think of the other. Let me let me look this up now because I want to think of some of the other ones. I mean, the only one I can remember having any success whatsoever is Pete Carroll. Exactly. I'm trying to think. The only one I can really think of is Jimmy Johnson, and that's because he was just that good. That's true, and he also yeah. – I mean, he just—he also had a great eye for talent and basically built a roster that could not be stopped. Barry Switzer was pretty terrible in the pros, but he was pretty good in college. What about Jim Harbaugh? Well, Jim Harbaugh did get to the Super Bowl one time, but, I mean, his he was really good at Stanford. I just think – I don't know. I don't, I don't think that, that being good in the pros – it really is how different it is. People bring up Nick Saban. I'm not going to bring up Nick Saban because, obviously, Nick Saban is, the, is you know – the outlier by far, but I mean, there's been a lot of coaches in the NFL that have been terrible. Butch Davis was pretty good in college, pretty bad in the NFL. Now, I don't think they're going to go after Matt Rule, but I just think their options are already limited because Auburn hasn't done a lot of great PR for the athletic department lately due to the fact they don't really have an athletic director currently. Of but, which we're still in limbo. True. Because we fired, um, fired Alan Green, what? Four weeks. It ago? wasn't necessarily a firing. It was more of a mutual resignation, if anything, is how I, is how I would technically describe it. Now, Griggs, I can tell you're opposed to to Matt Rubel. But does anybody else here have any suggestions? We're gonna go around the room here. The three year Letterman. <laughs> All right, Griggs, you're you're done. You're done. Noah, on to you. Um, I think we just gotta throw as much money as we well. I know that the board directors won't be able to control them, but I can't think of any real coaching prospect that the board of directors will be able to control. So I'm just going to go either going to go with Wayne Kiffin or Deion Sanders, and both of those guys, you'd have to pay them so much, you'd have to put them on a layaway. That's a good point. And then, Zach, on to you. I don't know. Who would come to Auburn right now? That's a great, like, great question. Like, who would take this roster – and take all that the boosters do and all the control that they have and be like, yeah, I'll take, you know, but, probably a good amount of money, but I'll come to Auburn and be in this tumultuous environment. Someone's, you got to start somewhere. I mean, people said that about Tennessee and it eventually worked out. Someone said this about, did you see the thing of the athletic Twitter account? Someone no, was like, not. like, oh, I saw this the other day. It was, um, um, they were tweeting, it's, uh, there was an Auburn Twitter account, uh, Lonely Tailgater, who was like tweeted out, uh, who would you hire? Madness and the Affleck Twitter account comments underneath it. It's prime time. Which oh, Nick Lord. Saban and Deion Sanders doing Affleck commercials next year with both being in an Iron Bowl rivalry that'd be interesting. That would be something to see. I think I think Zach makes a great point though in the fact that I, I saw a lot of people say, well, you know, that stigma's not there because the coaches outside of Auburn know that Brian Harson's being fired for being a bad coach, but they also know that whatever heck happened in February happened in February. Mm-hmm. Whatever that was, mm-hmm. I mean, Hars. It's like how Justin Lee put it in one of the columns he wrote at the beginning of the season. Harson may be a failure. He may be a bad coach. I don't know 
fully if he is, but he might just be a really bad coach. But he was set up to fail either way by what happened in February. My dad's texting in the show. Some of the coaches have been bad. We said Nick Saban with Miami. Lou Holtz was bad with the Jets. I forgot Lou Holtz was in the and NFL. And then the one I remember the most, Chip Kelly with the Eagles. Chip Kelly. That was very bad. Chip Kelly was pretty bad. Pretty good at Oregon, pretty bad there. That, that's a fair pretty point. Pretty bad UCLA right now. That, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. They're, they're, they're pretty bad. But again, who comes to Auburn? I don't know. And honestly, Cliff Kingsbury. I'm going to say this before we go, before, as we uh, wind down and going uh, to end this show, I don't want Lane Kiffin. I think Lane Kiffin might be the most overrated coach in college football. I've seen him coach his way out of wins multiple times. If they just took the field goals last year against Auburn, they would have won that game. But he kept going for it inside the 10 for whatever reason. So, I don't really want to deal with that. But people love Lane. More power to you. We'll see what happens. But this has been Compact Discourse. Alex Houston, Griggs Blankenberg, Noah Phillips, and Zach Carr joining the show for the very first time. We'll be back again next Monday for sports. But don't go anywhere because tomorrow we'll be back with Logan Hurston, our program director hosting the show. And we will see you all then.